This is the Relish Podcast with Kate Stevenson. Well, it's that time again. I'm Kate Stevenson, which means this is the Relish Podcast, a celebration of all those things we love to eat, drink, see and do. This episode, one of the country's most loved comedians, radio and TV personalities has another feather in his cap. Merrick Watts is actually a qualified wine specialist and he's bringing all he knows in the form of his show An Idiot's Guide to Wine to the Yarra Valley's Innocent Bystander Winery. I'll grab all the details on that. Also, the team behind iconic cafes, eateries and bars including Lilac Wine, Hazel and Dessou are about to open a brand new cafe right in the middle of the city. I'll ask Mulberry Group's Nathan Tolman what we can expect from Square One at the Rialto. And in Eat, Drink, Do Melbourne, a celebration of gin and pigs at Bouvier Bar, Heidelberg's Little Black Pig and Sons invites winemaker Peter Lehman to dinner, all you need to know about Whiskey Week and your chance to learn how to cook like the masters behind the pans at restaurants like Tulum and Chin Chin. All that is coming up on the Relish Podcast, celebrating the best in food, wine and travel for Melbourne's Easy Music 3MP. At Easy Music 3MP, relax with us at all your favourite songs. God only knows what I'd be without means all the songs you love from the 60s, 70s and 80s. Easy music, 3MP. Well, my next guest is a comedian. He's a radio legend, a TV personality. But what you may not know about Merrick Watts is that he is also a qualified wine specialist. He's been touring the country, sharing that wine knowledge and plenty of laughs as part of his show, An Idiot's Guide to Wine. Well, that show is about to hit Yarra Valley's own innocent bystander winery. He joins me now. Merrick Watts, welcome. Thank you, Kat. Thanks for having me. No, no worries. Now, there's, there's enjoying wine, which I certainly do. And then there's wanting to know enough about it to teach other people. How did you go from one to the other? Um, look, I really was a bit of a fan of wine. And then um, I started um, a, an events company called Grapes of Mirth about five years ago. And um, we started working with the wine industry and working in wineries. And I was like, well, if I'm going to be working with the wine industry, I should probably, you know, know a little bit more than what I do now. So I went off and sought some uh, Westset um, qualifications. I did levels one and two, and I was like, "Oh yeah, this is this is good fun." And then I was like, "I think I might do some more." And then I did some more, and then I did some more. So I was I kind of fell into it. I fell fell into the education part of it, and now I'm using it as a weapon against other people. <laughs> is what I'm doing. It's, this is like it's exactly what happens when you give bogans money, and then you just go, "Why do they own seven jet skis?" That's the sort of person I am, but with knowledge. This is why. Now, the Westhead, like for people who don't know that, that is, it's a global qualification. That level three is yep. the highest you you can achieve. You know, you say I did a one and a two, and then I thought I may as well do the three. It's not really that simple, is it? How full on is it getting those qualifications, and in particular the three? Well, no. So level three is one-off diploma. After diploma, of course, then you go on to master of wine, of which I think there's like only a handful in Australia. Um, it is extremely difficult. Once you get to level three, it starts to get very, very difficult. There's a very, very high um, uh, failure rate of about sixty percent. 
Um, and you have to be you have to be pretty sharp. You've really got to study. You've really got to apply yourself, and you've really got to care more than anything. Uh, but I've also done some um, uh, wine assessment courses as well with the AWRI, which is the Australian Wine Research Institute, and I've also got a Barossa Masters as well. So um, I've kind of added to to the. I will go and do my diploma at some stage, but it's two and a half years full time, and at the moment I don't have the time because I've I've got too much time uh, on my hands to be an idiot with wine. <laughs> than for me to be a diploma. Well, so this is, I'll, I'll, I'll do the idiocy part, part first. This is it and this is what's interesting because I think I, I think to a degree a lot of Australians still are, are a little bit worried about looking wanky when it comes to wine. You either know everything mm-hmm. there is or, or you don't pretend to. So what's the idea mm-hmm. behind an idiot's guide to wine? What I first, first of all, what I find really funny, Kate, is that the average person... Uh, the average punter probably knows more about wine than they actually think they do. They actually know more than they do. And the people who think they know about wine know far <laughs> less about wine than they actually think they do. So it's one of those things, like, you know, the more you learn, the more you realise how stupid you are. And that's, that's what the case is with me. But what I've done is I've just combined my two great passions, which is, you know, comedy and particularly stand-up comedy with wine. And so an idiot's guide to wine is really like it's, there is some really nice fundamental knowledge woven in amongst the show, but it, it's stand-up comedy about grapes and wines and where they come from and their history and the process. So, you know, we go through six wines, everybody tastes those six wines. And through the course of it, I just kind of tell stories and a little bits of little nuggets of information. So people might leave better informed than they were before, but it's not, it's not a lecture. It's not a masterclass. Mm. I mean, it says it really clearly in the title, an idiot. That's me. I'm the idiot. <laughs> Feel free to bring your own, though. It's BYO, idiot. Uh, but I, I will be there on the day. Um, and it sounds super interesting. So you're doing two shows um, on the 26th of August at Innocent Bystander. Mm. And the nice yep. thing there is people aren't just getting the, the tastings and the show. I think there's there's some food involved as well, yes? Yeah, so what can they right. expect in, in yes. Healsville? Yeah, correct. So sometimes we do it in different ways. You know, we work with different wineries sometimes. You know, some of the the, uh, the biggest name wineries in the country and we'll, we'll put on like a, a dinner and that's what we're doing in the Bystander. We've done it with Broken Wood as well where we put on a, um, a meal as well as a show and it kind of rounds out the, the experience for people. But uh, it is a little bit more work for me, but it's not any more work for the audience. I can tell you that right now. I love it. So, it's yeah, it's a lot of fun. And, um, and people, I don't know, this show has been the longest running show I've ever done in my entire comedy career. It's been going for like literal years, which is interesting because I really did think at the start of it, we'd do it three or maybe four times. It was a bit of a dud and that we'd bury it and pretend it never happened. And then 18 months later, we're talking about touring it overseas again. And it's just it's just a little show that keeps on giving. Well, I was going to say this, you know, it must be such a tremendous gig. I, I assume there's there, there is work involved, Merrick, because obviously, depending on whether you're doing it in a, just in a region or at a specific winery, mm-hmm. you, you need to tool yourself up, yeah, based on, on where you are. Yeah, and it, it's funny, like, I, I even regardless of how many times I've tasted the wines before the show, I always taste the wines in advance, even though I know the whole show and I know what the wines are. But even before I do the show, I always um, flight the wines, meaning I taste every single wine again, so that just before I go into the show, you know, my palate's tuned and I, I, it really just sharpens up my mind and gets me into into the kind of the, the, uh, the method 
I suppose. I'm a method actor slash comedian <laughs> slash wine guy. I'm a method wine man. Um, oh. But it does help. But the funny thing is I don't actually drink. Like I don't I don't drink before the show yeah. um, and I don't drink during the show, which disappoints some people. But I do taste them as I go along. I just don't, you know, enjoy. I don't abide as heavily as some of the people yeah. might in the audience. You're nothing if not committed. Hey, quick one. You're a Melbourne boy, aren't you? Yes, I am. I actually grew up not far from the Yarra Valley. I grew up in the Diamond Valley. There you go. So don't let that sway you. What What would you say? What do you think is the best wine region in Australia? Oh, best wine region. Uh, I actually think Australia. To beat this is a, a bit. Of, this is to get me out of jail. Um, Australia is the best wine region in the world. I will say that categorically. If you think about this, if there was one country alone where you could drink the wines from for the rest of your life, you would undoubtedly pick Australia. And I, I, I would find it very difficult for anybody else to argue that because we can have everything from Semillon and Riesling, uh, those really cool climate wines and Pinot, all the way through to Shiraz, Cabernet. There's, um, the Italian varietals grow really well. Sangiovese, of course, Tempranillo from Spain. We can grow anything that the rest of the world can produce here in Australia. So um, rather than pick one region or pick one country, it's Australia. Mate, Boom. I will take that. I will take that. Merrick Watts, it's been a real joy to chat. An Idiot's Guide to Wine sounds perfect for people like me who enjoy the stuff, maybe want to learn a bit more but don't necessarily want to take notes. Uh, there'll be six tastings, a 70-minute mm. show from you and a three-course meal with yet more wine. It'll be a lot of fun. We'll send people to the What's On page at innocentbystander.com.au to nab their tickets for one of two shows on August the 26th. Thank you so much for chatting to me today. Thank you very much, Kate. If anything, it's too much value. This show is too much value. So, I mean, I don't know. Getting quick. There is no such thing. Thanks, Merrick. Stick around. Coming up, a new cafe for the CBD that'll feature dishes from some of the country's best chefs. More details next on Relish, celebrating the best in food, wine and travel for Melbourne's Easy Music 3MP. This is the Relish Podcast with Kate Stevenson. Well, my next guest is from a group that runs some of this city's best cafes, restaurants and wine bars, from the new Lilac Wine Bar in Cremorne to CBD Stunner Hazel or Basement Bar de Sioux. But you may not know that they also roast their own coffee under the Square One label. Well, Square One is about to open its first cafe right in the middle of the city with a seriously novel approach to its food menu. Nathan Tolman is founder of the Mulberry Group. He joins me now. Nathan, welcome. Thank you. Great to be here. Now, gee, you guys don't sit still, do you? I reckon it seems like, and I might be wrong, it feels like it's only been a couple of months since Lilac Wine Bar opened. How happy are you with how that's been received? Because I'm seeing it everywhere and hearing about it everywhere. Yeah, thanks, Kate. Look, um, I guess after two years of lockdown and being kind of in hibernation, I'm trying to make up for a bit of lost time, to be honest. Um, being a creative person, uh, it was pretty tough to not sort of be able to do much during that period. But yeah, Lilac, actually, we opened about six months ago, would you believe? Is it but that long? The, uh, the, yeah, it's flown by, but it's, it feels like we've always been there. The response has been amazing. Um, the community has really embraced it. And I think it was just what the area needed and, and the right place at the right time. Amazing. So I think, I reckon most people would know about a few of your venues at least, not necessarily understanding, you know, that it's all under the the same ownership. But I I reckon it's probably fair to say Square One might be more of a mystery to people. What's it all about? Yeah, you're right. Look, Square One, we basically founded Square One about eight years ago when we owned um, Top Paddock and Higher Ground and those cafes. And at the time, if you were serious about having a cafe, then you also should have, um, you know, done your own roasting. So I think we kind of went down that path 
Um, and um, it's been in kind of a bit of um, bit of a sort of hibernation for the last few years, but we'd always kind of had a plan to um, give it its own sort of face and, and a bit of a presence. And um, yeah, this um, this opportunity came up uh, in the city at the base of the Rialto here on the corner of Collins Street and King Street. And um, it, it was a great opportunity for us to actually give Squareline a face and a, and a presence so that people could actually come and experience it as well. Um, now, I'm quite pleased because in my day job, I do actually get the opportunity to work from time to time uh, at the Rialto. So I was extremely excited when I heard about what you guys were doing. Um, if we think about that venue, I believe it's what, what at one stage was the Mercedes and me. What, what can we expect from sort of the, the space there? Yeah, you're right. Look, it was such a um, it's such a beautiful fit out in space already. It's it's over 500 square meters over two levels. Uh, it's got such a great street presence, and uh, obviously a lot of time and effort was put into making it that way. Uh, and then with COVID, it's been sort of sitting um, empty for a, a couple of years. And when um, the landlord approached us about it, um, it was it was a really great opportunity to come in and just give it a bit of uh, a new lease of life. I guess one of our main kind of um, principles is all about sustainability. So we didn't sort of want to go crazy and just waste money on things that didn't need to be done. Um, I guess that was kind of the, 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 the brief for us was to just give it um, a bit of new love and a bit of life without having to go crazy because the reality is that the, the less we need to spend on it, uh, the less the customer is going to have to pay for the end result because that's really who's going to have to pay for it as much as me is, is the consumer. So, um, yeah, it's over two levels. We've, we've, we've given it all new furniture, some paint, some tiles, um, but it, it already had such a great feeling and I think we've just kind of embraced that. Yeah, it was great bones there and, you know, it's not old. It, it was already a beautiful fit out. Now, if we talk about the food, and I don't want to mash this, I think you're going to have to explain it yourself. I know you've got some serious names on board when it comes to the dishes you're putting on the menu, but how does it work? What are you doing? Yeah, I guess to give you kind of a, a to go back a step, we um, when we were in the cafe game, I felt like we kind of, did a lot of innovative stuff, but the cafe market has improved and come along so much in the last couple of years. Um, I think we kind of felt like, um, you know, if we're going to come back into this space, we want to do something a little bit different and a bit more kind of creative. Um, we we have a, a, a social enterprise called Common Ground Project, which is a not-for-profit regenerative agriculture farm about an hour from Melbourne in Freshwater Creek, um, which is kind of the centre of all of our restaurant group. We, we basically look at it as a way to support our community um, and have a real positive either social or environmental impact um, and, and all of our restaurants donate 10% of their profits to Common Ground Project which runs um, education programs for school kids as well as providing uh, food relief in the community and offering women from asylum seeker background the chance to gain some employment through uh, the, the experience they gain. So we kind of felt like as a group we've loved being able to kind of get involved more in the impact space um, but it feels like in hospitality, generally, you don't really have that opportunity. So mm. once we started doing that, we realized um, how great it was for us in our group. We had other chefs reaching out and saying, hey, I love what you're doing. I want to support you. Can I can I provide produce from your farm to be able to use in the restaurant, which then directly contributes to the um, the programs on the farm. And so when, um, when we were looking at doing this new concept here, I said, well, why don't we try and find a way to be able to create even more collaboration and more community um, around food security, um, offering, you know, the training education, but also just focusing on, you know, we all care about the industry. We all care about where our food comes from. Well, let's actually collaborate and actually get involved in growing the food as well. So um, it was it was an idea that was kind of born a few months ago and I reached out to about 75 chefs around Melbourne and said, hey, you don't know me, but um, I'm a big <laughs> fan of your work. I love, um, I love what you do in your restaurants. Would you be keen to collaborate and create a dish for um, this new menu we're launching called Square One? And basically sort of let them know that um, 
you know, the profits from square one, 10% will be going to the farm. And there's also um, a cookbook at the end of the two year period where we can create um, a cookbook with the 80 recipes from the first two years, uh, all of which contributes to um, 100% proceeds going to the farm. Um, and look, I was so amazed to sort of get probably 95% of the chefs wrote back and said, my God, I love it. I want to be involved. The chance to do something a little bit different. Um, one or two people didn't get back to me, but that's okay. I'm going to still keep pestering them. But I was, I was so amazed. And I think, I think that's a great thing that, um, you know, that the industry has kind of um, come together and rallied around something that they believe in. It's whether you care about the environment. Um, regenerative agriculture is all about mm. growing food without any chemicals or pesticides. So essentially building life in the soil, which helps to sequester carbon and reduce greenhouse gases. We all know that the food we eat directly impacts our mental health. Um, you know, 90% of serotonin is made in the gut uh, and, and that is directly impacted by the food that we eat. Um, and then if you're interested in social issues, well, you know, we, we want to try and help people in the community who are less fortunate than us using the skills that we have. And I think um, to, to be able to come to Square One um, when we open on the 21st of August and every three months there'll be 10 different dishes, dishes from 10 different chefs and then that changes each season. So... Um, you know, imagine going to um, a venue and being able to choose the, the dish from your yeah. favourite chef and knowing that the next three months it'll be something different. Yeah, and, now, you know, things like I think, I don't know, I'm going to guess here, I reckon there's maybe 14 seats at Greasy Zoe's in Hurstbridge and not everybody lives on that side of town, but you will be able to try one of Zoe Birch's um, dishes at at Square One, which is brilliant. Um, I know that you will be open from Monday, August 21st. Um, is it fair to say, Nathan, because you've decided to do this where it is, 525 Collins Street, right under the Rialto there, are we confident Melbourne is back? You know, we've got we've got that trade during the week and during the day to, to get in and, and make those cafes worth it? Yeah, look, I'm definitely um, super confident in, the, in the, um, you know, the Melbourne economy picking up. It's really um, been improving over the last few months. I think um, you know, people ask, have changed their habits, definitely. There are a lot more people working from home. But the, the reality is we are all you know, human. We are all hardwired for connection. And there's only so many times you can do your work from home sitting in your pyjamas. You want to get out sometimes and see your friends and see your workmates. So look, you know, we've um, we've had to adapt as an industry and realise that you know maybe Mondays and Fridays are a little bit quieter. Mm. But um, when you look at the restaurants that are open, um, they're all you know doing really well. So I think um, I think it says a lot about the um, the Melbourne economy. And you're giving us more reasons to do it. Nathan Tolman, founder of the Mulberry Group, Square One Cafe sounds really exciting, really thoughtful, um, you know, a fabulous place for people to visit and support. We'll encourage people to check it out. Um, so August 21st, that's a Monday, it'll open just at the bottom of the Rialto Tower there, 525 Collins Street in the city. Thank you so much for chatting to me today. My pleasure. Thanks, Kate. Thanks, Nathan. Stick around. A little bit more to come in the form of tips on what to eat, drink and do in Melbourne on Relish, celebrating the best in food, wine and travel for Melbourne's Easy Music 3MP. For lovers of easy music, it all adds up. DAB Plus is the innovation to your favourite station, Easy Music 3MP, where the music is nearer and clearer in stereo right across Melbourne. There is more 3MP to love by upgrading your radio to DAB+. Change the way you listen to 3MP. There is more to love on DAB+. 
Find out more at 3mp.com.au. All right, of course, there's a little bit of time left, so we have to talk all things Eat, Drink, Do Melbourne. First, eating. On Thursday, the 24th of August, prepare for a celebration of two fabulous and indulgent comestibles as Brunswick's Bouvier Bar and Brogan's Way Distillery come together for a grand gin and pig affair. Bouvier owner Adrian Richardson will curate five delicious courses celebrating very special Berkshire gin pigs from seasonal cured meats to croquettes, sausages and the main event which will be roast pork with spiced apple and cinnamon sauce. Each course of course will be matched to a gin from Brogan's Way. I think it's going to be a special night. To book head to lalunabistro.com.au And speaking of pigs, over in Heidelberg, Little Black Pig and Sons have been hosting some terrific wine dinners and the next one will be a cracker. We're talking a six-course Italian dinner matched to stunning Peter Lehman wines, curated and presented by Peter Lehman ambassador and educator Malcolm Stop. You can expect dishes like venison tartare, a pork jowl truffle consomme and more, of course, matched to wines like a 2028 song Shiraz. It will be special. You can grab your seat by heading to littleblackpigandsons.com and drinking well the options are nearly endless as whiskey week approaches it's all happening from the 18th to the 27th of august right across melbourne and its suburbs there's things like behind the scenes distillery tours master classes dinners and even a one-of-a-kind heritage car whiskey event. Uh, look out for maybe Whiskey in the Clouds, which will be at Eureka 89. There's a festival hub, Le Bar Supper Club in Bayside, Beau Morris, or maybe a whiskey and cake pairing at Beneath Driver Lane. For the full program, head to whiskeyweek.com.au. And finally, do. Well, do learn how to prepare terrific food from some of Melbourne's best restaurants yourself. There are a couple of really great options to do some cooking classes at the moment. First, Saturday afternoon classes with Tulum's Hoskin Usal. The next one is on August the 19th and will focus on Turkish pastries. So you'll learn how to make authentic spiced potato borek, um, some cheese and spinach gozleme and gorgeous Turkish pita bread. So on the day, you'll enjoy some Turkish apple tea on arrival. You'll get that entertaining class. There'll be a three-course lunch and a glass of wine, all for 100 bucks. Head to tulumrestaurant.com.au and hopefully they'll list some more classes there too. Or how about an intimate class with Chin Chin Executive Chef Ben Cooper? There are three classes on offer over Sunday the 24th and Monday the 25th of September where he reckons he'll help you up your barbecue game, learn how to prep and perfect the ultimate beef brisket, how to pimp it up with some homemade add-ons like Thai spice dukkha or compound lime and chilli butter. And once you've perfected your technique, you can just sit down, enjoy a feed-me feast, including red curry mussels, that slow-cooked brisket, and plenty more. You can get all the details at their website, chinchin.melbourne. And that is it for this episode. I'd love to hear from you anytime. You can email me, relish at 3mp.com.au. And this has been the Relish Podcast, celebrating the best in food, wine and travel for Melbourne's easy music, 3MP. You've been listening to the Relish Podcast with Kate Stevenson.